you want to open your Bibles this morning to the book of Ephesians? Oh, yes, that's a good idea. I'm hearing somebody say offering. So if the ushers would come forward. But you can open your Bibles too. Everybody see that I have a coat? Because I'm going to take it off. <laughs> this is about oh. to get good, y'all. Oh, it's, it's cooler. Um, give as unto the Lord. As God has blessed and prospered you this week, give unto the Lord. Heavenly Father, we ask God your blessing this morning over the tithe and the offering. I speak blessing over your people. God, we have we, we sing the song, all my life you have been faithful. Lord, that is not limited to but includes finances. God, that you've met all of our needs. And God, we celebrate that today. Bless this offering to your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. now everybody should have received your income tax statements and if it was confusing to you I apologize the way that they come it comes in two parts you get a statement from your own line giving and a statement from your offerings uh, direct giving and so um, you have to add both of those statements together to get your total giving to the church so uh, I hope that wasn't some people get exclusively one way or the other, and some people do a little bit of both. So um, I hope that wasn't. It. But if you need help figuring it out, we'll be glad to print you another statement. So no problem whatsoever. Just let us know. Um, open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. And when you find your... Uh, when you find your uh, verse, Ephesians 6, you can stand with me for the reading of the word. If you're able to stand, if you are not, that's okay. I'm just going to read verses 13 and 14, and then if you want to be ahead of the game, you can put your fingers in Second Chronicles chapter 7. Should have given you a head start on that. Second Chronicles 7, we'll flip over there after we read Ephesians 6, 13 and 14. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand or withstand in the evil day. Having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, turn with me to 2 Chronicles 7. How many remember sword drills? But I don't mean to do that to you. So, uh, go down to verse 11, and we're going to read... Uh, I think through 14. Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house, 
And Solomon successfully accomplished all that came into his heart to make in the house of the Lord and in his own house. Now, I'm going to just pause right there because in the King James, a different verbiage is used that I like. Uh, it says Solomon prosperously affected all that came into his heart. So successfully accomplished, but prosperously, I'll come back to that, but I just want to get that in your head. Solomon pr prosperously, prosperously affected all that came into his heart. Now, go down to verse 12. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Somebody say amen. amen. You may be seated. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We ask your blessing, your anointing, God, that you would open our hearts, our minds, our understanding. God, that you would move with a fresh anointing over this place today. God, stir us, God, to accomplish all that you've placed in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. You may think those were a strange combination of verses. Ephesians 6 and 2 Chronicles 7. But let me tell you, a lot of times in the ministry, to prosperously affect, prosperously, I'm trying to say that word properly, prosperously affect, or successfully accomplish, you've got to learn to stand your ground. I mean, sometimes our best testimony is we're still standing. If the enemy would have had his way, he would have taken you out a long time ago. If the devil would have won, you wouldn't be here today. So that your presence here may be the best testimony you've got going on. I'm still standing, amen? Uh, the devil doesn't like it, but I'm still standing. I'm still trusting. I'm still believing God. I'm, uh, well, I've, I've referenced this before. Uh, some of you aren't old enough to remember, but some of you are. Remember, like the weeble, sometimes I wobble, but I don't fall down. Uh, how many can remember sometimes we wobble how many has been struck and sometimes it's tough sometimes you're shaking for a minute but bless God we're still standing and Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6 having done all to stand now, that mean that we just stand that means that we've done something to be able to stand on amen I know that we're standing on the word of God in fact the Bible says stand there with your waist gird in truth so we stand on the word, having done everything. We've already prayed. We've already trusted God. We've already given it to the Lord. We've already surrendered everything to God. We've already done everything that we know to do. Our, we're believing God for our family. We're believing God for our church. We're believing God for our finances. The Lord, having done all to stand. Let, let me tell you, it's not a spectator sport. Working for the Lord is not a spectator sport. Believing God for your family. I, I still remember the story of um, uh, the evangelist that was here and told the story when he was in uh, high school about the, the, the guy that carried his Bible with him everywhere he went in high school. 
and everybody picked on him. Maybe it was middle school. Middle school is the worst sometimes. Uh, and everybody picked on him. And everywhere he went, he carried his Bible. And my evangelist friend was one of the ones picking on him. Uh, and he looked at him and he says, you know what? You think I'm weak because I'm carrying my Bible around with me? They said, yes. He says, well, here, you carry it for a day. <laughs> Can I tell you, standing on the Word sometimes takes endurance. It takes strength. It takes the power of God. It takes integrity. It takes a lot of stuff. Uh, a lot of people just say, well, Lord, I'm just standing here waiting. But you haven't done anything to stand on. Uh, when, when Moses approached the Red Sea, uh, the Bible said God told him to stand there and see the salvation of the Lord. But he didn't start out standing. He started out staring down an army. He started out staring down Pharaoh. He led the people of God. He had already done everything, but he was at an impossible juncture in his life. How many knows that sometimes we come to impossible junctures? Having done all to stand. Stand where you are. Stand, therefore, on the Word of God and trust God. So uh, I just wanted to bring that in, Ephesians 6, to help us understand. If we want to prosperously affect the work that God has called us to do, there's one thing. You know, the last, last week, or the two weeks ago, that we talked about the, the two weeks ago, we talked about the cutting edge. Restoring the cutting edge of ministry and bringing back the, the axe head and the cutting edge of ministry. It's one thing to, to be effective. It's another thing to be uh, prosperously effective. I don't want to just be effective. I don't want to just end my life and say, well, Pastor, uh, Lord, I, I, I pastored the church. I've done the best I could do. Yeah, we didn't. Yeah, look, no, I want to do what God has called me to do in a way that pleases the Lord. I want to be effective. Now, I also understand that we can't always tell effective by what we see. I know mean, sometimes God moves in ways we cannot see, amen? And sometimes, they, but I just want to make sure, uh, Lord, at the end of the day, I've done what you've called me to do. I've, I've done the best that I could do with what you've given me. And I've not taken shortcuts. And I've tried to do, God, what you've called me to do. And I want to prosperously affect the call of God. In my life. The Bible says of Solomon that he accomplished everything that God had put in his heart to do. How many of you can say this morning that you've accomplished everything that God has put in your heart to do? I have not. I'm working on it. There's still some things in my heart that God wants me to do. I've not finished yet. Uh, but the Bible says at the end of Solomon's life that he accomplished everything and he accomplished it well. See, Jesus said that uh, the thief comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. But it didn't end there. Jesus says that I've come that you might have life and what? Life in abundance. See, God doesn't want us to just... Uh, we, we had a great Bible study in here uh, Wednesday night, and we were talking about the uh, greedy uh, uh, ruler, the rich man who had built... Uh, the parable that we covered had built more barns uh, to hold hoard his riches. But the emphasis wasn't on his wealth. The emphasis was on his greed. See, God, God doesn't mind blessing you as long as you understand everything you have belongs to the Lord. 
If God gives me a car and I can pick somebody up and bring them to church in that car, that's what I'm going to do. If God gives me a home and I can have a Bible study in my home, then that's what I'm going to do. Why? Because it doesn't belong to me anyway. We need to get out of our head that everything that we do, God got you the job you got. God got you into the school that you went to. God got you the wife or the husband that you have. So everything that you have, God has prosperously affected in your life. It belongs to the Lord. It belongs to God. Nothing, Lord, it's your family. It's your, it's your, listen, I've driven cars where I've had to anoint rags and tie around the oil stick. And sometimes that was the anointing oil was the only oil in the car. But God somehow managed to get me from point A to point B. I drive a better car now. But I can tell you, whatever it is, it's because God has enabled, God has given us the ability, and God will help us to overcome. So we need to prosperously affect. We need to do the work that God's called us to do with, with all of our heart. Now, I want you to notice real quickly the priorities. Solomon said or, or, um, that he accomplished everything that God told him first, in the house of the Lord. Secondly, in his own house. Can I tell you that we need to start prioritizing the work of God and the things of God? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these other things shall be added to you. We need to realize that God has positioned us, and we're going to get to uh, position. In fact, the title of this message this morning is Positioned and Purposed. We're going to get to that in a minute. But God has positioned you in unique places and that the work of God needs to take priority in your life. The things of God. Uh, now listen, and it's, not just, it's not just your church. You've got ministries outside of your church. Many of you work in the workplace and have opportunities to have Bible studies in the workplace. Many of you have other opportunities to have ministry opportunities in your, in your life. I, you know, every year when we do, uh, I, I'm always reminded, it just crossed my mind again about Sister Earlene when we would have our Thanksgiving uh, turkey giveaway drive, our Thanksgiving baskets. She would go out by herself and raise up the funds and the stuff for about 50 baskets, uh, sometimes more than that. I don't even remember. She would just, and, and, and she'd just go door to door. That was a ministry that she didn't just do partway. She put her heart and soul into it. Now, if God has called you to do something, do it with everything that you have. You know, if God's called you to uh, teach a Sunday school class, prepare for that Sunday school class. Invite people to that Sunday school class. They don't show up, that's all right. God, I've done, Lord, what you've told me to do. Everything that you've put in my heart to do, Lord, I've done. And if we can stand flat-footed before the Lord and say, God, I've done what you enabled me to do, what you instructed me to do, and God, it's in your hands. Because sometimes it may just be that God wants that one or two that are there to hear something you've got to say. Just be effective and be faithful. I, I love that we sung my song today. All my life. You have been faithful. 
I can stand here today with everything inside of me and I can declare that to the top of my voice without, you could hook me up to a lie detector test and I would pass it with flying colors and I could say all my life, God has been faithful. Now if you ask me, Pastor, all your life have you been faithful? That's a different question, isn't it? But a different chapter, different book. But, but I want you to hear me. God's faithfulness is not dependent on anything we do. It's dependent on what Christ has already done. And God wants to bless you and prosper you. So his first priority was to the house of the Lord, the work of God. But his second priority, he said, in my own house. In my own house. I want to dig into that for just a moment because I, I want us to understand that God has placed you in charge of your own house. Particular, if you're married, some of you men. I, I was talking to an evangelist um, a while back, a missionary. And he looked at me and said, Pastor, the church is failing to raise up men. And we got to talking about it. And, and, and the reality of what he was trying to say is men that understand that we have a responsibility over our home. Now, this isn't popular. But God, and, and this isn't a chauvinistic thing. You know, it, I, I, I've, I've preached this. I've taught this in... In counseling classes, anything with two heads is a freak. And anything with no head doesn't live. So there's got to be a head. Now that doesn't mean we lord over. Listen, I've got a head. Does that mean I want to bash my hand? No, it means I want to take care of my hand. I want to see that my hand does not hurt. I want to see that my hand is protected. I want to see that my hand is somebody. So men, God has placed you as a head to protect and look over your families. This might be a better Father's Day message. Maybe I should. But, but I, I want you to get in your heart this morning. Uh, sometimes you may mess up. Sometimes you may fail. And it's a hard balance. And sometimes... You know, my wife doesn't let me be in charge, but I try. <laughs> it, 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 but, but here's what but God has called us. Listen, guys, and I don't know why I didn't really plan on just talking to the guys. And maybe you're a lady and you're, you're, you're in, a, you're in a, 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 a single family situation and God has placed you. Uh, to be the head in that home, and God bless you for that. And listen to me. God wants you to prosper in the work that you do for the Lord and the work that you do for your home. I've already dug this hole, so let me just go in a little deeper. I cannot comprehend people with young children that tell me they can't get them to come to church. Okay, I'm going to stay here for just a second and I'll move on. 
I, I cannot remember in my lifetime a Sunday that my mom and dad said, Donna, you going to church today? <laughs> I can't remember ever thinking that it was an option. Except one time, I confessed that to you. I told you, I begged to stay home and watch six million, the $6 million man beat Sasquatch one Sunday night. And they let me. That's the only time I can remember them letting me just decide I'm not going to go to church tonight. <laughs> so here, here, here's, here's the reality of the matter. Um, we've got families today, and, and this wasn't part of the message, but maybe somebody needs to hear this. We got families today. You would no longer just let your kids decide, I'm only eating candy bars. Because you know that's not good for them. But how can we then take something temporal? That's why Jesus was talking about we, we take care of, we worry about this physical. I'd rather you let them eat candy bars and make sure that they're serving the Lord. Because this temporal body will pass by. But their eternal soul, so listen to me. And I know, listen, I've raised two kids, and I've, I've had my share of struggles. So I don't mean to come across as judgmental. It's difficult. It's difficult. But I'm telling you that God has given you the authority and the ability to do what you need to do, and you need to, in love and in grace and through prayer, lead your family in the ways of the Lord. And, and as you do that, sometimes, sometimes you're going to have some hiccups along the way. Sometimes you're going to face some rebellion along the way. It's not going to always be easy. I, 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 I had a dad one time bring me a bunch of things that his kid had in his room, and and he said they've got all these ugly demonic posters all over his walls and, and I don't know what to do about it. I said, you don't know what to do about it? <laughs> I said, let me ask, is his room inside of your house? <laughs> That's an easy one. Okay, let's move on. Y'all don't like that. I'm a little bit too old sometimes. That's okay. Um, this was supposed to be Young at Heart Day anyway, so there you go. Um, positioned. Can I tell you that you are uniquely positioned to do the work that God has called you to do? Solomon finished the work that God had put in his heart, but only because he was in a position to finish that work. You could have lived in Israel and not built the temple if you were not in a position to build the temple. And in fact, David, the Bible said, desired to build the temple. But God told him, you can't build the temple because you're a man of war. You've got blood on your hands. Probably also a reference to his murdering of Uriah. You've got blood on your hands. You can't build a temple. But you can position your son to build the temple. And so David laid up treasures. 
and stored up for one day Solomon to accomplish the call on his life. Now, can I tell you real quickly, your purpose sometimes may be to position somebody else. And positioning is one of the hardest, most difficult parts of accomplishing. You don't believe me? Ask Joseph. He went through a lot to get into the position to accomplish what God had put in his heart. Everything in your past and the people that God has placed around you are helping to position you to do what God has called you to do. Uh, in fact, we were talking about it. I'll get that quote wrong this week, a devotional that we did. Um, and uh, can you quote it? Uh, it, was, it was something about the, the accomplishing the systems and relationship in your life. There you go. It's not your gifts or talents that help you to accomplish your work. It's the systems and relationships in your life. In other words, it's the things that position you. You, you cannot, there are things that you may want to accomplish, but you're not in position to accomplish them. So uh, position is everything. Solomon had to get in a position to build the house of the Lord. And position is difficult. Um, sometimes as, as, as I get older, some positions are harder for me to get into. And, and it, it, let me just be honest, it's not just my age. It's because I'm so out of shape. <laughs> Anybody else in the room have to hold their breath to tie their shoes? But um, <laughs> okay. Uh, so, but sometimes the position to accomplish a purpose is difficult. The purpose itself. Listen, if your natural gifting is to do a a, a teaching ministry, the teaching ministry itself may flow easily. But getting in a position to do that sometimes is difficult. So uh, you, you can tell me all day long. I, I remember when I was a youth pastor, uh, uh, a man named Wayne, I'll just say his first name, came to me and said, uh, he went to our church, and he said, the Lord has showed me that I'm going to be speaking to thousands of teenagers. I said, praise God, Wayne, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, he said, I want to share my testimony, and I want to pack stadiums of teenagers. And I said, that is just a wonderful vision. I said, would you be willing to come maybe on Friday night and talk to our youth group and, and share what God is doing? He said, no, no. God showed me stadiums. <laughs> you know, not 20 kids. And I said, okay, well, God bless you with that. <laughs> You know, I, I'm not going to even say that God never would have used him to talk to stadiums full of people. But he had to start where he was. And as best as I know, he's never taught a class of people still today, and that's been 30 years. So, listen, you've got to get yourself in position to do what God has called you to do. Uh, when, when God first called me to pastor, 
And, and I finally swallowed the hook and the pill that that's what was going on. My pastor had to tell me that God had called me to pastor. I mean, I knew in my heart I was stirring. I won't go into that whole long testimony. But when the Lord first called me to pastor, I wasn't ready to pastor a church. I was 19 years old. Now, you can be 19, I suppose, and be ready to pastor a church, but I was not. So, I asked my pastor, how do I start out being a pastor? He said, well, can you come clean the church? Um, yeah, I didn't know. They don't teach that in seminary, I don't think. So I started cleaning the church. Done such a great job with that, he let me start mowing the lawn. And I'm thinking, this isn't what God called me. This isn't what God showed me. But I was faithful. And then a teaching opportunity opened. And then a staff position opened. Then a church. <laughs> you know, but, but it was a process. I, I didn't just come in there at 19 and say, Pastor, uh, I'm ready to start pastoring. You know, why don't you just sit out this Sunday? I, I, I remember the first time he let me preach on a Wednesday night. I preached everything I know about the Bible in about 20 minutes. I was digging for stuff. <laughs> but you know what? Thank God some of the older saints would just come behind me. And, and looking back, I, I know that they were lying, and I know that God forgave them. But they just say, you've done such a great job. You were such an encourager. And, I, and I'm like, yeah. But, but, and, and what I'm telling you, church, people will, God will put people in your pathway to help position you. And your past itself helps position. How many has ever had some hard spots in their past? Can, can I tell you, Solomon's beginnings didn't start out that good. He, he, he came out of an adulterous relationship with Bathsheba and David. But all of those things God used to position him through his life. All of those hurts. Can I, can I tell you, looking back on my life, and the things that I would have had given the opportunity would have said, Lord, I'm just going to skip this one. Lord, I, I don't want, you know, I don't want to have to bury my dad. I don't want to have to bury my mom. Lord, I, I don't want to have to go through uh, this heartache. I don't want to have to deal, I, I don't want to have to go drag my son out of that place. But can I tell you, looking back, it's those moments in life where God enables you and equips you and you rise to the position of authority that you need to rise to, that God is, God is preparing you. When, when Joseph was in the pit, he had to begin to work on his heart to forgive his brothers. When, when God was in Potiphar's house, he began to teach him leadership skills. When he was in prison, he began to learn endurance. 
faith, trust. And, and through all of those moments of his life that he would have said, no, I just want to have this vision of my family all bowing down to me today and tomorrow, let's just make that happen. He wasn't ready. You probably are not ready. I'm not ready to do everything that God has put in my heart to do. But I want to get ready. I heard Tommy Barnett preach one of the best messages I've ever heard preached. And it might have just been, sometimes a great message is, is more based on your heart's ready to receive something than the message itself. But he wasn't a young man then. I don't remember Tom Barnett ever being a young man. But, I, but he, he preached a message on such a time as this. And he was well capable. He had said, I, I've given away my retirement account three times. I, I've saved up. I've prepared myself to retire. And the Lord's laid on my heart to give it away. Three times I positioned myself for retirement and three times I gave away. And I'm thinking, bless God. That takes faith. But, and, and he said, somebody asked him, and, and asked him one day, why do you keep coming in? Why do you keep doing what you're doing? And he said, because I don't want to miss my such a time as this moment in my life. I don't always know what God has placed me in the middle of a day for. In the middle of a conversation for. In the, in, in, in the middle of a situation for. That I don't want to be in. But I don't want to miss. Maybe this is my such a time as this moment. Maybe I'm going to say something to this person that's going to impact and infect, infect their life. And I need to be faithful there. So God, so we have to position ourselves. Get in position to do the work that God, let people help you get in position. Identifying your purpose is only accomplished uh, by evaluating, is often accomplished by evaluating our position. Um, the Lord will, the, a lot of times, I, I, I've had, I, I'm a big believer in protecting offices. You know, I, I, I've had people, it, it's hard to believe that I've had people get mad at me. But I've had a few, not many, I have to say, and I'm thankful for that, but I've had a few that have come in hostile and ugly. And I said, look, you may can talk to me that way, but you don't talk to the pastor that way. God has put me in this position to protect this office. I may deserve whatever you've got to say, but you're going to respect the office. Is that arrogant? I don't think so. Because God, I'm a believer that God positions us in places so that we can protect that place and that we can accomplish the purpose that God wants us to accomplish. Purpose and position is sandwiched in prayer. Not only is purpose and position, and we see that in, in 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14. And I, I think that verse ought to be more alive in our hearts now than ever before. When God strikes the land with pestilence. How many of those pandemics just another word for pestilence? When, when, when God strikes the land with, 
with, uh, with, with if my, then, then, let's back up to verse 13. I'm going to read that. I've got it right in front of me here, but. There we go. If I shut up heaven and there be no rain, or if I command locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people. Sometimes God does things to get our attention. I know a lot of people don't like the Old Testament. And, and I try to preach a balanced gospel. But can I tell you, the New Testament, try to get here, the New Testament, the New Testament there is built on this foundation of the Old Testament. And if you rip this out, this fails. So, I know a lot of people, well, Pastor, you shouldn't preach about, uh, you know, these things in the Old Testament because that's not grace. That's not, listen, grace only works standing on law. Standing on the word, standing on the foundation. If you're not willing to stand on the foundation, it's going to collapse out from under you. And so uh, the Bible says when these hard times come and your land's going through difficult times, I'm not going to look to the government. Let me, let me pull the rug out from under some people today. The answer for our nation is not going to happen at the end of this term and the next election, it's not going to come out of Washington, D.C. Now, God can use the church to impact our leadership. I get that. I vote. I advocate voting. But the Bible says that when these things happen, God looks to his people. He said, when my people. Not when all the politicians humble themselves and pray. God, if that's what it's going to take... <laughs> We might as well throw in the towel now. We're having a hard enough time to get the church to humble themselves and pray. If it's going to take the political system humbling itself and praying, then Lord, I'm done. But that's not what God said. He said if the church, my people, those that are called after my name, shall humble themselves and pray, that he'll do what? Hear from heaven. He'll heal our land. He'll restore. Listen, God, and all of these are in the same verses, the same couple of verses. Why? Because position and purpose is sandwiched. In fact, if you go before that, they're praying over the temple. So it's all sandwiched in prayer. It, it, we, we have to bathe prayer, and I'm, I'm going to close with this. I'm closing. Prayer is probably the most effective weapon the church has and probably the most underused weapon. I was thinking this morning, and I may mention this again this afternoon, Sister Maxine was a prayer warrior. And many, many times... In fact, I, I, I had very few conversations with her that she didn't remind me, I'm praying for you. She said, Pastor, I got your back. I'm praying for you. She'd send me messages, Pastor, I'm praying for you today. 
I, I'm not even at the funeral and it's already gets emotional. And I, I was driving in this morning. I thought, Lord, who's going to take her place? I need that prayer warrior. I've got other, I know many of you pray for me. I get it. But I don't want to lose one. I, I, I remember going to, some of you may know the name, Sister Crook may know the name, old brother Daryl Prentice. Used to be a pastor. Y'all know him. He's pastored here. Going to his funeral service. And it was one of the most moving moments I'd ever been at, at a funeral service. They pulled out a stack. I don't see them much anymore. Remember I used to get those postcards that had this missing child uh, was missing on this date. And, uh, you know, a little bit of information on their age, a little bit about the child. And, and, and pulled out a stack of them. And they said every morning he would walk out by the ocean and one by one would pray over those children. And he would take notes on the back of something showed up on the news that this one was found alive or dead, this one was returned home or this one was found. He, he would write notes on the back of them. And I was so impressed because I'll be honest, I take those things and look at them and toss them aside. And I, I've come under so much conviction, I don't do that anymore without taking a moment and praying. But I, I have to be honest, I, I just... And the, the speaker said, who's going to pray for these kids now? And I was so cut, cut in my heart. Till now, if I get one of those cards, and again, I, you don't see them as much anymore, I don't think. They do other things now. But if I, if I get something like that, I take a moment and pray. At least pray. I, don't, I won't say that I follow up on them and do all of that, uh, but I at least pray for them. Listen, God has positioned you, and the only way to successfully affect the, the temple, Solomon's temple is beautiful. It was beautiful. It was elaborate, to say the least. He prosperously affected what God called him to do. But only because he was positioned to do that by other people in his life. God, give us some Davids in this room that understand. You know, one of the funnest things, one of the things I enjoy the most in ministry and in the roles of ministry that I've been able to serve in is oftentimes helping younger people get started in ministry. We need some Davids that realize, look, I, I can't accomplish everything. I, 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 if Jesus tarries, and that's a big question mark, I want somebody to come into this church after I'm long gone and take it to a whole new, new level build on another foundation just like I stand on the shoulders of the men that have came before me but I want to position people to walk into that to do what God has called them to so we need some David then we need some people like Solomon to say okay I'm in a position I'm in a position right now I can impact my community I can impact my workplace I can impact my family I can impact my church 
Would you, would you bow your heads with me this morning? I'm going to ask two questions and I'm just going to pray over us. First of all, I'm going to ask, is the Holy Spirit, and you may answer yes to both, but is the Holy Spirit convicting you this morning to be a David in somebody's life, to be a Naomi to a Ruth, to, to, to be a mentor that helps position somebody else for the call of God in their life? If, 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 if the Holy Spirit is convicting you, that's one of the things. He's, your, your purpose right now is positioning other people for their call. Would you slip your hand up? I want to pray for you this morning. Bless you. Bless you. Now, if you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I've still got so much of the call of God left undone in my life. I've neglected it. I've not taken it as seriously as I ought to have. And the things that I have done, I can't say have always been done with abundance, with prosperity. And I want to do the things that God calls me to do with everything that I've got inside of me. Would you slip your hand up this morning so I can pray for you? stand in the presence of the Lord. <clears throat> maybe you're here and you want to give your life to Jesus or maybe you're here and you need a healing. We'll, we'll, we'll just open this altar area this morning. Father, right now, I pray over this congregation. I pray, Lord. God, there's enough vision in this room. There is enough call of God in this room to change communities, to transform the church, to change families. Help us, Lord, to prosperously affect the call of God in our life. Let it not be something, Lord, that we pull out on Sunday morning and then we look at it and then we put it back away till next Sunday. But God, let us take it with us. Lay it out on Monday and ask you, Lord, what can I do today for this call? Tuesday, what can I do today for this call? Lord, we, we want, Father God, to be used mightily of you. We want to be used mightily of you, Father. God, forgive us for our shortcomings and strengthen us, equip us and enable us, God, to stand firm in the face of the enemy and see the salvation of the Lord. Now, Father, I pray that you would bless this congregation that's here. God, that as we go our separate ways today, Lord, that we walk in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. God, that you would keep us, 
Lord, that you would bring us back rejoicing at the next appointed time. And we'll give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. We love you. And you're dismissed.